seconds flat. Give me up. Put it down, put it This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Black Zero. Oh, my God. Hello again, friends, and welcome in for mile 130 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. It's good to be here. Good to have you, Phil. How you doing, buddy? Oh, these cooler temps, things are going well. It is running weather, isn't oh, it? Beautiful. Man. Autumn this, is here. This is the weather that we train for through July and August. Those hot, humid days where you're just struggling and suffering through to have the fitness to really enjoy enjoy days like this. We are reaping our reward That's right. now. Coming to you the day after a new world record is set. Did you watch the whole thing? You were up at 3 o'clock yesterday, weren't you? Well... That actually leads to one of my first questions. If a world record happens on flow track at 5 a.m., did it really <laughs> happen at all? And I say that because it's no offense to the good people at flow track, but it's a little disappointing for our sport that more fans couldn't see the event through one of the more traditional carriers, the outlet like ESPN or uh-huh. even NBC Sports or the stuff that's now moved to Peacock. Well, especially uh, after all the great coverage we've had of everything these past couple months. Right. We've, we've been... 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. slot is not really a... It's not prime time. Prime time. And we have been giving so many platitudes to all the uh-huh. coverage that we've been able to watch. And good for Flow Track buying the American rights to Berlin and, and covering it. So I will admit, even someone as dedicated to the sport as I am... I have long ago given up my flow track subscription. <laughs> the coverage is just, frankly, not worth it. And so I was awake probably for the second half watching live splits okay. from the Berlin Marathon website as they clicked off every K. Oh, uh, you, you had me worried when I woke up yesterday morning. And I know I usually wake up earlier than you. I see a text 15 <laughs> minutes ago from you. We got to do a podcast. It's like, yes. oh, this is exciting. Emergency podcast. So for those of you who did not get to see the race at Berlin or the highlights, Elliot Kipchoge has set a new world record covering the marathon distance in two hours, one minute, and nine seconds. That's a 30-second personal best over his previous world record time of 201.39. That's fast. Also set in Berlin. So. 2019? Yes, that's correct. Uh, that time of 201.09 equates to about four minutes and 37 seconds per mile. Let me ask you this, Phil. <laughs> if I gave you, let's say six to eight weeks. Uh-huh. Mile specific training. Yeah. What do you think you would run at the end of that block? Mile specific training. You've done a lot of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sharp. 510 to 515. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I ran 524 a year and a half ago off a no-mile specific training. I remember that, and I thought you might go a little bit lower based on that. Yeah, it's the Cerruti Challenge. Yes. Which every year, well, the great coach Percy Cerruti always raced a mile for his birthday to prove he wasn't getting older, which I've 
have embarked upon that quest as well. And all we're proving is that we are, in fact, That's, getting older. No. This last <laughs> time I was three seconds faster than the year before. Gosh, um, you're an animal, though. I'm you're Kipchoge-esque. That's right. You're about the same I age. Don't age. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, I, yeah, 5'10", 5'15". I think I could have run with him if I got six to eight weeks of mile-specific training. I think I can get a mile. Yeah. I could, I could go... Four to five hundred meters, and I'll tell you what. At whatever point we stopped, we would both keel over yes. and just call it a day. Like yeah. we're not even talking about trying to finish the marathon. No. This is. I, I was talking all to one of the guys out at Furman that runs for the team there, and he is a he's a sub four miler. And we were talking about that this morning, and he put himself at five to eight miles. Yeah. So this is a guy. His marathon PR is three fifty seven, I believe. Great college athlete. Mile PR. Mile PR. Three, uh, 357, yes, yes, not yes. marathon. No, no, no. Yes. yes. Mile PR. Just to clarify. He, he put that he could go five to eight miles. So just okay. to put in perspective how hard this is. Yeah. Do you ever watch those videos where they, they set the treadmill it's, at his pace? It's fun, but it's like cringy because I'm afraid someone's going to get hurt yeah. just flying yeah, off just of that thing. Yeah, off the treadmill. Yeah, it, it's incredible though. When, when we look inside the race, we see Kipchoge came through the halfway mark in 59.50. That is significantly faster than his previous attempts and the original pacing plan. Mm -hmm. But would you see his quote on that? Well, yes. In the post-race interview, he mentioned that he felt especially good Uh early and he thought this was the chance. Let's take a shot and see. Maybe we can even break two hours and, uh, and do it in a sanctioned marathon. Yeah. Only one competitor made it to halfway (laughs) with him. Uh, and by 25K, he is alone with, without pacers at this point. His speed slowed significantly after that stretch. And you can get the, uh, some of the replay is available of the European coverage that is in English. It picks up for the second half it is on YouTube, at least at this point, with them talking about him being well under 201 pace, yeah. you know, at 59.50. He's at that point on two hour pace. Well, it it was faded only a little. His last 5K split where he faded a little. Yeah, bit. so it was the slowest kilometer was between 39 and 40K. Uh-huh. I believe it was around 310 to 312. As he reached the Brandenburg Gate, which was almost exactly at two hours, pretty cool moment. There was certainly a renewed vigor as he passed through the gate, saw the finishing tape, and brought the pace back down under. Three minutes per kilometer at the end. Crossed the finish line with an expression of joy, excitement. It was was pure emotion. It was beautiful and immediately embraced by his coach, Patrick Sang. His wife, his family was there for this one, which was was really neat. She probably hasn't seen him in two months. Yeah. She (laughs) mentioned in her post-race interview that she'd been fasting for the week in preparation. (laughs) It was a week of fast and prayer. Uh, He had had told her the same thing he said at at the pre-race press conference. His only goal was a beautiful race. And it certainly was that. I didn't want to put pressure on a specific number, but it was a beautiful race. Well, and I think to me, that's a huge takeaway. And we can get into some splits a little bit more in a moment. But that quote about how he felt at the half, that his legs were feeling fast and that he, you know, hadn't originally planned to go sub two, but that he was taking advantage of the great day and paying attention to how he felt. But also for that second place runner, that this was his, what, second marathon? Yeah, that's right. Um. But basically just putting himself out there and that it was only the two of them at halfway and really not putting judgments on chasing a specific time, but really just 
taking advantage of a good day, paying attention to how you feel, and just letting the race come to you. Yeah, those are significant points, Phil, that we can all translate to our racing. Yeah. Now, a racer like Kipchoge, who not only claimed the world record, but won another world marathon major, I I believe the number on his total marathon tally now is like 17 starts and 15 victories. Uh So he's very in tune with his body and the feeling, and he understands when to press. And we have to be careful with that. Even the guy who went with him faded, had a significant positive split. Sixth or something. Yeah. So it was a a positive split of something like seven minutes in the second half for him. There is the point of taking advantage of the day and taking advantage of how you feel, but just be cautious in remembering even an athlete like Kipchoge didn't try to go full throttle. Like they went out hard, right? but he waited until he was nearing the halfway point before he thought, ah, this could be the day. Right. And that's one of the best in the world. And, and so there is a lesson and a word of caution for well, that, us mortals. That, in that, that is also in, in the matter of seconds per 5K versus tens of minutes yeah. on each side of the half. Right. I, I've thrown out here a, a general guidance that I believe there is some truth that one – a lot of us just throw darts at the wall for a marathon goal because it's not connected given our paces of, of the masses right. to like directly correlated to a physiological marker. And so we like to pick round numbers and, and try to break round numbers. Two, if we pick a number that is way out of our range or attack the first half of the race in the marathon and a method that is way out of yep. our range, we're setting ourselves up for potential disaster. I see a lot of data to suggest that every minute you're too fast through the first half for that day, as we've said here before, you're probably costing yourself for each of that minute, each minute that you thought you banked, costing yourself about three yeah. on the back That's half that you're, that you're giving yeah. up. And uh, we've probably all learned it in some form at, at some well, point. That just makes for an extra special experience that last. 10K of the marathon. You could call it special. Uh, (laughs) It's certainly memorable. Yes. Let's then move to some big questions from the day, Phil, because you're leading into one with how Kipchoge essentially pivoted Mm -hmm. from his plan and attacked a little harder than maybe was expected. Perhaps internally he thought that was possible. So let's go with the big one to start. How much faster can he go? Man, that's a good question. I think this is it. Okay, so if I said... Dr. Phil, all your chips on the table, all the big cash that you make for the Seconds Flat Running podcast (laughs) is going on the table, and you have to decide, does he break this number or not? You're going to say no. No. Okay. Because he just smashed the world record by 30 seconds. Yeah, but remember how much he smashed Kometo's record in 19 when he did it? But then also, when is he going to get this opportunity again? Berlin next year. But do we have the same weather? That's somewhat typical Berlin yeah. weather, low 50s. Yeah. yeah I, I, London moves back to the spring next year. Okay. So maybe. I'm just playing devil's yeah. advocate because I actually agree with you. I'll give you 80%. He never. We don't see this time again. Okay. For, out of him. I, I agree that this is his fastest. Yeah. I believe we've seen his fastest because it felt like he got a good day with good fitness and he really took a shot. He took a Had gamble. good training going into it. Yes. Now, here's my caveat. If he had run 60-15, let's say, in that first half, just putting out a number, could he have gone 60-44 
on the way in and broken 201. Yeah. It kind of feels like maybe. Yeah. yeah. And maybe if it hadn't been that day, this weekend, perhaps he could string together some splits like that in the future. I just wonder if the combination of, as you're saying, the weather, his training, also his age, Mm -hmm. and what does he value in pursuit in the future? He has talked about wanting to win all the world marathon majors. Those opportunities start to slip away. Does he want to be the guy at Paris in 2024 and win another gold? So the opportunities seem to be dwindling. It would take an almost perfect day, but could he have the breaking 201 in mind now that he's so close to it? Well, and I think this puts into context how special, but also how contrived the breaking two project was. Okay, so let's, let's pivot to that and ask, is this... What we saw at Berlin this weekend, his greatest race ever, including all the sub two stuff. Yes. Yeah. See, I totally agree with you. I, I said from the beginning when he actually broke two, there it was a gimmick factor, and I believe he understood that. You I mean, know, it was, the, the breaking two was special because you had essentially the perfect day, the perfect conditions, but all the resources that were put into mm-hmm. totally optimizing the pace what was cars. Going on. The pacers going in and out. The formation of the pacers. The formation of the pacers. The fueling being able to move with him as they passed it. Variable after variable that we can't control under normal racing conditions. We're controlled there. That's right. And also, I think breaking two was special because you saw the caliber of the the athletes that were pacing him. I mean, we're all the Ingebrigtsen brothers are pacing him. Right. Right? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They're all world-class runners in their own right, but being so excited for just being a part of that project. Yeah. But I think a project is what it was. Whereas yesterday was, was a race and he did have pacers. He had perfect conditions, but we're still a minute and nine seconds away. To Nike breaking two was a sales pitch. Yep. To Kipchoge, it was an effort to show human limitations may be artificially placed upon ourselves. There is no one that I want to believe in more in sport that oh, he is clean absolutely. than Elliot Kipchoge. Uh-huh. He is a remarkable human, first and foremost. Yes. His both mental and physical approaches to training are second to none. There are so many lessons to be learned from him. Not just go do his workouts and go run his mileage. That's probably the worst lessons uh-huh. we can take away. His approach, the Zen-like monk of yeah. running, it's I, one of a kind. And if it, I want him to go break it again. Yes. I just don't know that this day well, I, can come together I, another to me, time. He, he expresses sport as artistry. And yeah. Maybe that's too fancy, but you know, really, it, it's the expression of what a human is capable of. But mm-hmm. also putting on a performance like that. Just watching him run is is beautiful. Well, that's a great point because we don't tend to think of marathoners for the aesthetic beauty of sport. Right. Perhaps it's historically been a perfect 10 by a gymnast. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's, there's an artistry and creativity on the basketball court. Uh, a Pete Maravich no-look pass, yeah. so, something like this. A last-minute drive in the NFL, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, guys like that. There's a great beauty to some of the sprint events. Mm-hmm. 
and and perhaps also to some of the kicks in the mid distance mm-hmm. events. But marathoning has never been the arena of the aesthetic. Right. He has a grace and a beauty combined with a smile that Just really does of, make those late yeah. miles a thing of beauty. You're yeah. right. And uh you know, we we will often joke about what our race pictures look like late in a race, <laughs> even when you thought you felt good, they look terrible. And he makes it look effortless. Uh-huh. There is nothing that I enjoy more in the sport than an aerial camera, like the drone shot, uh-huh. moving with him as he's running 430-something pace, 20 miles deep in a race. Remember at London a few years ago, at mile 24, where he just blasts off out of a water table at the 24th mile to yeah. break everybody? And how smooth it looks. And then when you see just how fast he is and that overhead shot... With the crowd around him, the amount of ground he covers with each stride. And the ease that he does it with. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to agree with you on both counts. This is his greatest race, and I do think that this is the fastest he'll go as much as I want more. Yep. And I'm probably an idiot for doubting him. <laughs> <laughs> so then let's go to a third one. How long does this record stand? Does someone run faster than 20109 I'll give you a long horizon on this in the decade of the 2020s No We won't see we we won't see a time like this for 20 years I want you to tell me the exact race at which this happens oh. Phil you just asserted 20 <laughs> years from now someone who is just an embryo right now Oh man a young fetus The the Olympic cycles haven't been Announced yet? Five. five yeah, unfortunately, we don't know. Course wise, course wise, it's probably it's going probably to be at Berlin. Be Berlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's maybe London, and there's no other. I know there are a couple other marathons that are vying for major status, but yeah, you know, we got Sydney on there and a few others, but you know, those courses aren't world record fast. There's there is the potential with the payouts that Dubai yeah. could possibly mm-hmm. come the become the place, but. It, even with that race happening in the winter, it's never like peak, peak conditions right. for, for a perfect marathon. But that field has been really fast and really deep in recent years. So I think it'll be another generation before we see this. I, I hate agreeing with you so much, well, Phil. Doesn't make for good programming. My wife says the same thing. Gosh, I know. <laughs> Jen, please call in right now. We can commiserate. It just doesn't feel like anybody's going to do it anytime soon. I know we've said that before, but... I'll, I'll give you my comparison. It feels a little Derek Clayton-esque. Yeah. And I believe it was 13-year gap after he set the record before it was broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I don't think Kipchoge's going to do it, I don't know who the next right. guy is. That's who, who, there is nobody in this current crop of even upcoming distant stars. And, of, of course, there's a whole group of East Africans that I'm – well, that we don't even know about, right? That will yeah. probably jump straight to the marathon. But I can't think of anybody who I would put on the short list to even come close. Yeah. I'm sure there's competition that will come close. Yeah. And, perhaps... and even if we look at how the, the world record's been moved in the past when we've had a big jump like that, it takes a long time for the rest of the athletes to catch up. So well, I, I give it 20 years. Ah, I think I'll take the under on twenty years. Okay. All right. We will we will we'll reconvene and we'll record an episode in twenty years and find out. Nine fifty two. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just hope we're still alive. We'll come back to this point in a minute because the second fastest marathoner of all time is up next. 
Ah. We're going to see him in a few days. That's right. So if anybody could do it, maybe it's a 40 plus year old man who's on the world stage There's this next weekend. Yes, there is. <laughs> it's going to be one of us at CIM, maybe. <laughs> Before we go to that, as I mean, an aside. You, like, Kipchoge broke his competition. Wow. That was a bold statement. <laughs> we'll be replaying that quote when I kick your ass in a couple months. Uh, as an aside, despite several of the top Japanese runners being at London, mm-hmm. uh, competing there next week, seven of the top 15 finishers in the men's race at Berlin were Japanese. I noticed that. That is another testament to yes. that country's remarkable marathoning that is a huge depth. Distance culture. When we took out a couple of their top dogs and still seven of the top 15 mm-hmm. at Berlin were Japanese. That's... Pretty impressive. Well, and they got a bunch of other guys coming later in the fall. Yes. Between London and New York and Chicago. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Phil, how about before we transition to some quick shoe first impressions and previewing London and Chicago, we go through our week of training. We'll take seven days. That'll be Monday to Sunday. The floor is yours, sir. Oh, let me pull up training here. You always do this. You know it's coming. I'm queuing you up and you're not even looking. Well, I got to look at what you actually sent me to do. Then then take away the two days that you didn't actually do because you got lazy. Go ahead. Well, 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 whatever. Okay, while you're looking that up, I do want to say one thing. No, I have a comment that needs to be made. Okay. I want to give huge congrats to a friend of the show, David who emailed me last week. He set a new two-mile PR, broke a a huge round – he had one of those round number goals that he broke at the BMW two-mile in Greenville. He commented in his email that after listening to our 5K training episode, in that block he actually used – if we combine our lists of top five, we created (laughs) ten workouts. He used nine of them. No kidding. So we're we're not complete idiots. Right. The guy's alive (laughs) to talk about it. So – Go figure. Congratulations. All right. Now that I've bought you some time, Phil, tell oh, me about your training. It's It's been a good week. I, I'm at that phase of training where the legs are still strong. Things are clicking over. I've picked up the volume overall, but the race is still a long way off. Well, we are 10 weeks, 10 weeks out? out from our marathon. Yep. To me, in, in my training, the way I have this set up with a couple tune-up races uh, along the way, which we'll talk about when those come up, you'll have yours yeah. that we'll talk about as well. We're training for a marathon now. Yeah. You know, we we uh, were we were getting fit. We're specific. We were putting in miles. Yeah. Uh, we're starting to do some some long runs and some workouts that really look like marathon training. I'll show. I have two examples in in my week, but uh, go ahead. This is seventy-ish yeah. no, days away. And if I think about you know how I mentally break it up, you know the training. You know, up until about 16 weeks out is really just training to train. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the non-specific stuff. The mileage isn't quite where it ultimately will be, but it's building the mileage up to to handle the training I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And this phase of things is really kind of in, in the meat of it where I'm getting stronger. The mileage is, for me, relatively high. Um, I'm sure it'll bump up a little bit more in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then those last couple weeks before taper, historically, I get typically mentally pretty fried where it's like, I'm ready for this to be over with. Mm-hmm. I know there's still some more work to be done, but I'm not quite there to taper yet. And then taper is the, the time to to absorb all the training, let mm-hmm. their legs recover and really get excited and focused on, on what we're doing. So I'm kind of in that what's next phase of training. Of, mm-hmm. of, let's worry about today's workout. I'll get to tomorrow's workout tomorrow. So anyways, last week, usual Monday, it was a great Monday. Dean was back out. Yeah, uh, He's been on the shelf for a couple 
well, far too long. So he was out for our heard himself dancing at the gentlemen's club. You should see his moves down by the airport. From what I heard, <laughs> but we have uh, I have our top investigative reporters looking into that. We'll find out more. Well, the story will be on the next podcast. Yes. And then Tuesday was an easy hour with, with some strides. That was really good. Finally had a little bit cooler weather, so I got to yeah. sleep in a little bit and, and do that at lunch. Wednesday, warm up for about 10 minutes or so. Did seven rounds of three minutes at half marathon effort um, with about a minute recovery. Uh, and then seven rounds of 30-second hills, just hard. That workout was harder than it I expected it to be because mm. it was coming on the tail end of – I'd been on vacation the, the previous week. I think that was maybe eight days straight of running, and the previous Sunday was a 17-mile long run. So the, the legs were really absorbing some fatigue. And so I did those three-minute efforts on effort, not really looking at pace. And yeah. it was not where I wanted to be when I went back and looked at the data. The effort was there, uh, but the speed was not where it should have been. But overall, I was pleased with the workout. Thursday, the schedule called for 40 minutes to 45 minutes easy. But I know what you really did. I slept in. Yep. I, I was tired. The legs were beat up. The foot was a little sore, too. And yep. I had had a day off in eight or nine days or so. Yeah. Um, so I, I was happy with that decision. Yeah. That one's okay. Yep. The, the one I um, give you a hard time because... The next day was a different story. Yeah. I was a little slow getting going in the morning, so I didn't have time to get it in before work. I, I should have. There's no excuse other than... Laziness. Yeah. As you look at me with shame, <laughs> as you should. I planned to get it in at lunch, and things came up as they usually do at lunch. Uh, so I ended up not being able to get anything in, which that was disappointing. I feel like I, mi- I missed a, a good run there. The plan was for just an easy hour with strides. Got back on track Saturday uh, for a solid two hours. The last 30 minutes or so, we picked it up a good bit. Goal was around 7.30 pace. Honestly, don't even know if we hit it, but the, the effort felt good. Cool. Sunday, called for 35 to 45 minutes easy. We had my little one's fourth birthday party yesterday afternoon, so I took her out for a little bit longer to give the wife a chance to That's good. do yeah. some stuff around the house and, and his penance for missing Friday. Well, it's a good pivot because you missed one. Yeah, so I went okay. a little bit longer. I ended up going about 50 minutes. I was tired, but really the legs were turning over, and I, I felt like having those two days off didn't really set me back any. Yeah, it, it's important for everyone to remember there, there's a difference and a delineation between taking a day off because you're excessively tired as compared to normal, because there's other stresses, maybe there's an illness or soreness that's more than normal that yep. it, your body's telling you to take off. And then there's another category of, am I committed to competitive excellence, whatever that competitive excellence means for you. Don't get too far into that. Don't let the pendulum swing too far that you don't ever recover, but make the right decision and and get out when we need to get out. Well, and I think as well, I like the the concept of tracking your misses Mm -hmm. to figure out like why you're not hitting those workouts. Yeah. And in, in my case, you know, Thursday, that was intentional. Yeah, I probably could have gone out and shuffled for 40 minutes, but really I was better served by having the day off. Yep. Um, but Friday was really more just a, a commitment that you know I, I should have gotten out first thing in the morning. You know, I thought I could get away with getting out at lunch, but like most things, life gets in the way. So that was just a, a miss. So to resolve that, it, for a run like that, 
that needs to be more of a priority to get out first yep. thing in the morning. So having an idea of, of why you're missing the workouts. So uh, starting from Monday, I uh, went out Monday morning, did 10 miles on the dirt up at Lake Summit, did make a trip over to the Flat Rock Bakery. Uh, what was your breakfast? Uh, I had a croissant with egg and cheese and avocado on it and an apple cinnamon scone. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it was now a week ago, but I remember it well. <laughs> uh, that afternoon, went back out for 40 minutes with some grass strides. Tuesday, in, as you notice here, Phil, I am flipping through my written log. Your fancy 100 days log. Yep. Tuesday, workout session. Talking about artistry, there is nothing more artistic than a handwritten training log. That's the truth. This is a thing of beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Tuesday's session, it was 15 times, minute on, minute steady, plus a few hills at the end. Uh, I'll be honest, the the effort was a, probably a little more than I wanted to put out for the product that I got. Yeah. And I think what happened was the ons got like maybe five seconds quicker than I wanted them to be. And so then the floats weren't quite as yep. good. I wanted to float more around marathon and it, it faded a little bit. It was also later in the week was much cooler. And so those workouts were much more successful, probably in part because of that reason. The other thing is last week I dealt with a little bit of a heel issue throughout the week. Really, I found out that it was more about some calf and Achilles tightness that has helped work through it. Uh, But I noted in here that at times it reached kind of like that three out of 10 discomfort. Now it's it's been back down to a one, barely noticeable today. So Wednesday uh, was a planned uh, time to take off. I swam in the morning and did yoga in the evening, and I did not set an alarm that morning, and oh, it was fantastic. That's a beautiful day. Thursday, did about 70 minutes with uh, some turf strides, and then did an easy double again 30 minutes after work. Friday's workout was excellent. Longer session, uh, 16 total miles with embedded in there, five by two mile broken tempo, so 10 minutes total. Nice. 10 miles total, excuse yep. me, two minute jogs, recoveries. The goal was to be five to 10 seconds faster than marathon nice. goal pace yep. for each session. of the two mile yeah. segments. Started just a touch, maybe a tick under goal pace, and then did work down to about 10 seconds per mile faster. Nice. By the end, did that with our friend Kyle, and both of us said at the end, we could have gotten another set if nice. we needed to. So that felt good. That's a good feeling. I just shook it out real easy that afternoon. And then it's a little under an hour. The next day I had planned to double, but just with work, working all weekend, super tired. So skip that. And then the long run yesterday was on the dirt. Y'all had a long Tryon, run. Beautiful. A little over 18 miles, uh, two hours and six minutes. Maybe it a bit slower than I normally run a long run, like a steadier long run. Yeah. It was it was just really comfortable. Just enjoyed the run and the conversation and the life. And then the last 10 minutes, picked it up and actually was running at about half marathon pace. I didn't really pay any attention nice. to it till I looked at the data yeah. afterward, but it just felt super smooth. So that was good. So decent week, slightly lower mileage than normal because of the day with just the swim and the yoga, but that was... Was what I needed. So we're taking things off. So feeling good with 10 weeks to go. Let's move to a couple quick first impressions of some shoes we've been running in. Both you and I have dabbled in the new Nike Pegasus Turbo Next Nature. That is a mouthful of name. Peg Turbo 3. Peg Turbo 3, if you want to call it that, it gets that nature name because it features the recycled Zoom X foam. 
Uh, it is ZoomX foam in a carrier. It is not a 50-50 ZoomX React foam like yep. the previous iterations. We seem to be in general agreement here. Super versatile. Yes. We both think it's about a B shoe yep. on our grading scale. We like it. We're not, it's good. I'm not making love to it. Yeah. Which I probably shouldn't do that with any shoe. No. But um, <laughs> There's a few shoes I wish they continue to make that are no longer made. But this this isn't on that list, but it's a good shoe. It's a good shoe. It, I don't think the ride is quite as soft as those predecessors no. because of the composition of the shoe. I, yeah, I like it. It's yep. good. Price came down, yeah. which is always nice. Selling it at, at one fifty yeah. at the one fifty price point, nice shoe. I'll give it a B. No, I, I, for me, it fits in the stable of kind of the everyday, everything type shoe. Yeah, where it's comfortable enough to go long, it's light enough and responsive enough to do some faster paced pickups. You know, if you want just one shoe to to race in, you know, yep. and do everything else in, I think this fits the bill. It's reasonably soft enough, so it's a, it's a good shoe. Yeah, I have another shoe here to, to mention that is, I, I believe, also in that, like, if you only have one in the quiver, yeah, it fits that mold. That's the Diodora Akipe Atomo. This is updated now to 200 excuse me, from nearly $200 down to $150, wow. so a big cost savings from its original pricing. Part of that expense was this is a shoe designed and made completely handcrafted in Italy. Yep. Uh, so it's like the artisanal cheese of running shoes. <laughs> I have the the new uh, version of it, but from my understanding, when it initially came out a year ago, I did not run in it. Uh, I believe this is more like upper changes, color changes. Yeah. The shoe has, has continued on. To me, it has some of the feel of the earlier Hoka Clifton models. Ooh. If we were to go back about four or five years on okay. the Clifton, it's light. It has a soft foam. It's built on a wider last. Uh-huh. It has that ortholite liner mm-hmm. for extra softness it's have a rocker in the just foot below the foot. It's not that aggressive not quite rocking like feel yeah. of, of the Hoka, but it, there's some similarities. And like that Peg Turbo, it is super versatile. I might like this a lot as a lightweight daily trainer. I think I have three runs in it now. It's just over nine ounces at my size, 11 and a half. So okay. that it, nine to 10 ounce slot really ticks a lot of boxes from a weight perspective. This is a good one. I, I like it. I'll reserve a grade on it, but just wanted people to be aware. Yeah. I say that as someone who has not run much in the other Diodora models in part because of the weight factor. Yep. So I'm excited about this. And then also uh, Saucony Endorphin Pro 3 nice. got a session in that last week. So What's this, that feel like compared to the two? After one session, so it's the initial impression, uh, less harsh. Nice. As compared to the previous iterations, I think it's got more step-in comfort. Okay. Uh, you got more stack, which means more power run PB foam. Yep. I like the feel under my foot more than the previous two versions. I did have some irritation at the back of the heel, some rubbing yeah. there. So see how the fit works for your foot. Might have to change some lacing too, possibly, now you've uh, been in to the accommodate. Speed, speed threes as well, haven't you? I have, yes. It is crystal clear to me now that there's just a bigger delineation between the two shoes than there was before. Okay. The three is more versatile and less snappy in the speed okay. three than it was before. And this Pro 3 to me feels... A little faster, 
but I need more time in it to determine that as compared to the competitors from, say, Nike, Asics, the New Balance offerings, the other race shoes that I like. My initial impression is I'm probably not going to race in this shoe, but I sure could see why people would. It's good. Well, and I've... I've been in the Pro 1s, and I like that shoe, but that shoe was sharp. Um, Absolutely, and, and it's was, less it so now. fast, but it, there wasn't much cushion to it. All right, let's wrap with uh, previewing. We have marathon action that just keeps coming. We oh. had Berlin. The next two weekends, we get London. Normally wouldn't have that yep. in spring race. Chicago. Then we get Chicago, so three weekends in a row. Tis the season. Then we'll have the gap before New York. Then we'll have the gap before the, the showdown, showdown in Sacramento, <laughs> baby. You, you know, you hear people use the euphemism of scalping. Sorry, but you, okay. you claim a scalp on the course when you beat somebody who uh, you think is a big name. There's a very real chance that the winner between the two of us will actually literally, not figuratively, scalp the other. Well, neither one of us has much hair. At the finish so. line. Well, speak for yourself, <laughs> Phil. I just choose to keep mine short. Luscious head of hair. Lettuce. <laughs> All right. Let's start Chicago. With... No, no, we London. got London coming up next. Come That's... on. Sorry. Do we need to teach you how to use a calendar? Yes. Okay. Well, so you see how my training goes. October 2nd before October 9th. London is this Sunday. We have a men's race featuring three of the five fastest marathoners in history, including the one man who's all-around greatness on the track and the road makes him perhaps the only legitimate the modern only threat yes. to Elliot Kipchoge's claim as the greatest of all time. That's Kenanisa Bekele. He's fit. He's healthy. He came within a couple seconds of that 201.39 old world uh-huh. record mark. I've heard the Bekele is fit and healthy line before, well, and he's dropped out at like years. mile yeah. 22. Yeah. But boy, when he has a day, does he have a day... And he's running out of attempts, so now in his 40s, (laughs) you have last year's champ, Sisse Lema, is back, the Ethiopian, plus little wrinkle, not at the top on the timesheet, but we get the return of Sir Mo, Mo Farah. He can just go away. Oh. (laughs) What's that disdain about? There's too much suspicion around him. Oh, Phil, if we're going to stop talking about guys on here because of suspicion well, we for doping, half the show the is gone. <laughs> but, I mean, starting with you. I mean, Well, that's fair. In your clinic, I don't know what you have access to. <laughs> sure, there's suspicion around him. It's going to be an exciting race. Yeah, it is going to be a super exciting race. I don't think there's any question. On the women's field, you have had nine sub-220 runners in the field. That's a huge number. It's down to eight, which is still incredible. Uh, It was supposed to feature the world record holder, Bridget Koske, but she withdrew just today with a hamstring injury. You want to put any uh, predictions out? Anything you expect to see at London, Phil? Any bold plays? I don't think you're going to say that Mo Farah wins. No, he's going to go 220. No, that's silly talk. <laughs> Let's sit no, over I'll, under on Mo. Ooh, two eleven. I'll take the under hamburger bet. Okay. If Sir Mo goes under two eleven. You are buying me no. a Culver's cheeseburger from Flat Rock Bakery. Well, that's fine. That's what you can have, but you're going to lose. So you're going to buy me <laughs> a cheeseburger at the local Culver's because I, I haven't been there in like today. six weeks. You did. Happy birthday, Millie Grace. That's right. Got the cupcake right in front of me. What a sweetheart. Turn it four? Four. Gosh, that doesn't seem yes. possible. That jogging shoulder's getting heavy, man. Yeah. She's a grown woman. Bad strength. 
Okay, I'm I'm taking the under easily okay. on Mo. What's he gonna put down? He's gonna run well. I think okay. you're gonna be really upset. I think I'm gonna be texting you on Sunday mocking this prediction. Two oh seven. Okay. That's a pretty solid run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's Michaela gonna run? Yeah, I know. That's that's the big one that we were gonna predict. I, I don't see it. I think the winning time here is going to come in around 203. Yeah, that's what I would say as well. And I don't think it's going to be Bekele. Okay. So there you go. Um, is Lemma going to do it? To prove if, that his if, win last year wasn't a one-off? Right. If I had to pick a guy, as just like I like him a lot as a competitor. Yeah. There's a handful of guys with better times. I wouldn't pick against him, yeah. though. I, I think he'll be in the mix. Yeah, I think two hundred three for the win is fair, solid. It's good time. Yeah, yeah. In less than two weeks, we then get marathon major action on American soil, and we have stellar fields set for Chicago on October 9th. I'm excited about Chicago. Uh, in the men's field, uh, the top Americans alone it is loaded. Well, former show guests, uh-huh. friends of the show, Frank Lara, uh-huh. Colin Mickow, yep, Tyler McCamus, Gerald Mock, uh-huh. all in. Now, Gerald ran 210 at Chicago in 2019, and that was before a long hiatus with injury. So yep. I'm super excited for him. Promise to Gerald, if you are the top American, we will make secret bunker from your band the podcast <laughs> intro song for the next year. Do it for me, Gerald. My guy, Pride of Fort Collins. It's a great field. Yeah. Uh, the women's field, heavy at the top with Ruth Chavagetich. A 217 runner, and we get American Emily Sisson, who has run 223, mm-hmm. took some time away from the marathon. When did she run her 223? That was at London three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Didn't make the American team at the trials in Atlanta, returned some to the track, has done well in some shorter road races. Threw down a huge number in a half marathon at Indy mm-hmm. last spring. Uh, she was right on the heels of Kira D'Amato at the recent uh, U.S. 20K Championships in New Haven. Yep. Kira D'Amato finished sixth this weekend in Berlin. To me, the biggest excitement at Chicago might be the debuts. The first being NCAA cross champ and Men's US 20K champ, Connor Mance. Mance. The Australian, Pat Tiernan, Mm -hmm. will also debut. Any highlights for you, or are you willing to put a prediction on Connor Mance's name? Ooh, let's say... So I'm looking at my list of top Americans here, and we're all sitting in the 211 to 212 range. Let's put him at 210.30. I'll take the under. Okay. I've taken the under on both your predictions. Does he run faster than Mo runs at London? Double or nothing? Oh, absolutely. <sighs> I got to think this one through. <laughs> oh, man. The tension in here is possible. Yeah. I'm going to take Mo. Okay. Close. I think Connor Mance, he's going under your 210.30. Okay. I think he runs 208 high. Ooh. He's going to have a huge is day. Is he top American? Yes. Okay. My fear is the experience factor yeah. in this field, but I don't know anybody who's faster or fitter. Yeah. Just remember what he did in the last kilometer to win at NCAA Cross on that course, that rugged course in Brutal. Stillwater. Yes. When that he long, just what, threw that last down. Yes. He threw down, and then he just thought to himself, oh crap, I went early and I just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. And he hung on. 
and kept going. He just he feels like he's built for the marathon. I have said this is the most anticipated American marathon debut male since Galen Rupp. Ooh, okay. That's fair. I'll take that. Slightly older for his debut than a few other guys, given his longer yep. college career. I am taking the under on your Mance 210.30 line. I'm taking the under on your Sir Mo 211. And you're going to have to buy me a double cheddar burger. <laughs> I uh, can't wait to watch you eat it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say we might as well shut it down right there, Phil. <laughs> I have nothing left to say. Any other quick thoughts on the upcoming marathon? So here's, marathon? here's what I'm excited to see. I want to see how Frank Lara and Wilkerson Given do. Yeah. Of course, I'm a, Furman a Furman products. Yeah. Homer, but both have run 211. Frank Lara went 211.32. Wilkerson Given, 211.44 are their PRs. Uh, Wilkerson was at Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And they both are just kind of on that cusp of being in that well-known American distance runner group. Okay. Who are you taking head-to-head? We're just betting Ooh, on everything. Right? Yeah. Let's... Uh, who are you taking head-to-head? Let's go Wilkerson. Okay, I'll take it. I'm taking Frank. Okay. Because I think Frank, he's just newer to the event. I think he has yeah. more upside. Of course, Wilkerson switched and he's now with Hanson's uh, yep. Brooks. He's with a new group. Yep. Absolutely. As an aside, I'm going to give him a free advertisement. Stoke Nut Butter. Oh, it's good stuff. The, the nut and seed butter that they're morning. doing is, is really, really yeah. good. I am a fan of the cinnamon pecan flavor. Yeah. Ooh, so, I have the hazelnut chocolate this morning. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Uh, those guys do a, a great job. So uh, we have three bets on the line that we will let you know about in about two weeks. Uh, anything else that I can take your money on, Phil? We need to have this episode. Well, it'll be at Flat Rock Bakery as I enjoy my croissant. Yeah. Okay. But... We'll live stream that. <laughs> in case you win, I want to. you're going to eat that double cheeseburger uh-huh. on air. Yes, I will. <laughs> and I will love every minute of it. All right. Well, enjoy the racing action coming up. Phil and I both have some races coming up, so we'll be getting you some yes. uh, feedback on our progress soon. Uh, most importantly, best time of the year to run. Oh, Get out. Absolutely. Enjoy, enjoy it. Share it with friends. Share it with family. We are so grateful, one, for the opportunity to get to talk to y'all. Share in your stories of success like David sent yes. us. It's, it's so exciting. And just grateful for this time of year and our opportunity to get out and move through space and share life together. So... As hard of a time as, as Phil and I give each other here about our race coming up, we are both looking forward to 10 weeks of training yes. together. It's oh, going to be a times. great time. A great and, trip and, out there and, together, too. Yeah, that is, that's right, Phil. So please, questions, comments, show ideas, email us, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and look forward to talking with you again on mile 131 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Everybody have a great week.